So many of you know we are in our third week of our series that is called Empowered. And for the month of February, we've been discussing the Holy Spirit. We kicked it all off by answering the question, who is the Holy Spirit? Last week, we discussed and experienced what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you missed any of those talks, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can go back and listen in. Now, listen, it's very important that we maintain a desire to be led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, if we look around, there are a lot of other nice buildings and spaces in the tri-state area for people to gather. There's a lot of other places with lights and sound and good speakers. The newness of this very space will wear off. And if we don't have the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we can become just like everyone else. We can become just another church. See, listen to what Jesus said in John chapter 4. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And as a community of faith, we want to embody this truth. We want to live it. Now, now churches within the American culture typically are divided over these words that Jesus shared. There are churches that pursue the gifts of the Spirit, the manifestations, the power of the Spirit. Then there are those churches that focus on the truth and are known as Bible churches. We want to lean into both distinctives. HDV wants to live in the radical middle. Where the Bible is taught in practical, everyday application, the good news of Jesus is announced every week, and the power and presence of the Holy Spirit is evident in our lives and fills our gatherings. Many of you know that every week my outlines are centered on the Bible. My points are supported with truth, and it's not my words, it's God's Spirit using me to speak those truths. Next weekend, you heard in our announcements, we're having our Empowered Weekend. Many people have been asking, Chris, what's that all about? Why would I come to HDV on Friday night and, and spend some of my day on Saturday? Well, this is what it's for. It's simply a time, it's simply a time to set aside for God, where we focus on, learn, and experience the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I want to encourage you to register today. If you have not registered, Phil Trolley will be joining us from the North Jersey Vineyard. And, and, and he's just got a gift in sharing about the Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit to use him. Now, some of you think, well, why go? Why would I set aside that time? Why would I come Friday evening? Why would I come Saturday from, from 9 until 3? Well, see, my personal experience with events such as these is I find myself, oh, I don't have time. I'm too busy. I, uh, there's just, there, I, I need to rest on Saturdays. I find myself thinking that. But then I force myself to go anyway, and then when I go, I'm encouraged, refreshed, renewed. And the most important thing about these weekends is we desire more of God. Like you get around people and learn about the Holy Spirit, suddenly you find yourself desiring more. And plus, you get to see God move. For example, the last event that we had at, at, at HDV, it was back on Bower Avenue. We invited Mark Marks from Healing in the Streets to come and share a weekend with us. And literally, it was in one of those gatherings where my daughter, Lily, Mark was helping my daughter, Lily, pray for a lady 
and her left leg was shorter than her right. My daughter watched that leg grow out. Like it literally grew out so that both her legs were the same length and her leg pain in her, in her hips and her back was gone. And, and that's on video. And I know that Seth Zip will share it on our community page because every once in a while, again, it pops up. But you literally can watch on video this leg growing out. Listen, I, I've never been more excited about what God is currently doing in our community of faith. I mean, this series has seen the presence and power of God moving all over our gatherings. So, so let's just invite him here this morning. Holy Spirit, come. God, we set aside this time for you. God, we want to focus on you. May it not be my words, but yours. God, just have your will. May your will be done in this space this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to continue our Empowered series by discussing the power to continue the ministry of Jesus. And this morning, I want to focus on healing. I want to focus on healing. See, there's not a week that goes by that we don't pray for healing in our Sunday gatherings, in our growth groups, even in our outreaches to community. We have teams of people praying for the sick to be well. We believe in healing. We believe in spiritual healing, emotional healing, physical healing. In fact, since we have just opened our doors in this new location, individuals have experienced God's supernatural healing. And is it okay if I just share a few testimonies with you this morning? Okay, well, the first one's on video, so let's tune our attention to the large screen and watch. Hello, I'm Mike Gamby, and I've been here at Hub City Vineyard since the beginning in 2006. When Chris talked a couple weeks ago, about big bold prayers and then last week he talked about healings i knew it was time for me to share my story about four years ago i had a hernia in my belly button and i had it surgically repaired the surgery went well and i completely recovered no issues so then about a year and a half ago a second hernia appeared about four inches from the one i had had repaired and I dealt with it and managed it as best I could. I wore a lower back support to give me pressure in that area to kind of keep things in place. And uh, it became worse. And it came to the point when I knew it was time for surgery. So about a year ago this month, men's group, February 2021, I mentioned to the guys that I was gonna need surgery for my hernia. I just wanted the guys to pray that the surgery would go well, that my recovery would go well. So when we went to pray, Mike Shriver said, Mike Gamby, we're gonna pray for no surgery needed. That was a big, bold prayer. I wasn't even expecting Mike to say that. I later found out Mike wasn't planning on saying that. He said that spur of the moment. Uh, definitely Holy Spirit inspired. So they prayed for me, and I really didn't feel anything when they prayed for me. Um, prayer is a regular part of men's group. We, we end men's group every week in prayer. Uh, we've seen a lot of miracles. We've seen other healings. I went home that night and took a shower. And normally when I would shower and not have my lower back support on, uh, my hernia would pop out sometimes. It didn't pop out. So I got up, got ready for work the next day, 
and on a normal day at work, even with wearing my uh, lower back support, it would usually pop out a couple times a day. It didn't pop out at all. So I have not seen that hernia since. I did mention it to my doctor in the fall, and, and I told her the truth. I, I told her that uh, I had had prayer for healing, and I really believed I was healed. And she didn't doubt what I said. In fact, I found out my doctor's a believer, but she said she also wanted to be responsible and had me get a CAT scan. So I got a CAT scan and the hernia was not there. So I am healed. God intended for me not to have surgery this time. And I know he healed me. I've told many people about it individually. I think there's people that need to know that God's still in the business of healing. So two weeks ago, um, I was leading our Start With Why in the uh, family room there. I'm leading Start With Why. What is Start With Why? For those of you that are new to our community of faith, every first Sunday of the month, I just share about the history of HCV, where we've been, where we're going, and, and just what we feel God calling us to do. And uh, Mike Boward was sitting in there with a, an, another group of couples, and he began to share his story of, of how he ended up here at our community of faith. He's been here about six months or so now. And, and he began to tell the story of how he had this supernatural encounter with God. See, see, Mike and his wife were in this severe accident where their car was totaled by a tractor trailer, spent a long time in the hospital. Uh, his knees were bad. His back was bad. In fact, for most of COVID, he, he was in his bed. He was bedridden. He could not get out and move. So he made his way here about six months ago, and, uh, and our groups were starting. So him and his son started going to our Shoot Straight for God, our archery group, on Saturday mornings. And the first Saturday they went there, they sh he kind of shared this pain that he, he was having in his back. Because, see, he could hardly stand. He couldn't even barely walk. So the group uh, j just stopped and prayed for him. J just literally began to pray for his back. And then they did the same thing the following Saturday. They again prayed for his back. Well, well, Mike just shared with me this morning, he's here during our second gathering, that he got a CAT scan just this week, and the doctors cannot understand how he's standing and walking around. Like, that's how messed up his body is, but we know that God has supernaturally healed him, and now he's able to stand, sing, worship, and do, do life like he has never done before. If you want to hear Mike's story, just hang out with him and connect with him. You know, at the beginning of our 21 days uh, in January, you heard the incredible testimony of Colson Reed and, and, and how he's alive today because of a supernatural prayer encounter. Just this morning during our first gathering, uh, I, I know for a fact that there was a hip healed, the pain was gone, and, and, and we prayed for probably almost 100 people just here in our first service morning gathering. Here's the reality. There, there are more testimonies out there that I want to know about. That I, that I want to hear about, that I want to encourage everyone with, and I want to hear from you. So if you have a testimony about God's supernatural encounter in one of our gatherings, in one of our growth groups, it doesn't matter where, I want you to text me at 97000 and just simply text the testimony or email me, chris at hcv.church, because I want to get these recorded, right? I want to get them out there to people because when we get them out there to people, you know what it does? It raises faith. It raises faith to the point where we continue to see God move through our community of faith, which leads us to our first thought this morning. Look, Jesus healed the sick. 
Jesus healed the sick. There's no miracle that is repeated more in the four Gospels than Jesus healing someone. Like, like that's what he focused on. Jesus healed adults. He healed kids. He healed chronic conditions. He healed crowds. He healed just one. He healed people full of faith, full of doubt. He healed the blind, the crippled, the deaf, the epileptic. He raised the dead. He healed lepers, Jews, Gentiles. He, he healed the deserving, the undeserving, the grateful, the ungrateful. Simply stated, Jesus healed the sick. So, so you, if, if you've ever seen one of those WWJD bracelets, what did Jesus do? He healed the sick everywhere he went. And it was a sign of the welcoming of the kingdom of God. Look, we can't talk historically about Jesus if we don't talk about healing. Because he did it all the time. In fact, we can't claim to do what Jesus did in this world if we don't lean into healing. If we aren't praying for the sick, then we're not following Jesus' example for us. So what I want to do this morning is I want to dive into a healing passage, and I want to talk about what Jesus did, how it applies to our lives, and then, and then we're going to pray for the sick together. So here we are in John 5, verses 1 through 15. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Think about that, 38 years sick. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked them, would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath, so the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Well, who said such a thing? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. And then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Now, so often in those verses, we miss that ending. Right? Jesus challenges the man that just received his healing, just picked up his mat and walked. He says, you need to check your heart. You need to make sure you're right with God. And you're thinking, well, why would Jesus say that? Well, this man, see, he found out who Jesus was, and it turned him in. Like, he immediately ran back to the Pharisees, ratted him out, because he knew and was hoping for accolades. He was hoping for money. See, because the Pharisees hated Jesus. They viewed him as a criminal. And this guy gets healed after how long? 38 years. And then he sprints to the Pharisees and says, oh, that's who it was. This man wasn't even deserving of being healed. But Jesus healed him anyway. See, what happened at the pool of Bethesda? There were all these invalids, these sick, these lame people gathered because they believed, what they believed was an angel would come down from heaven, visit earth, and, there, and you would see this by the stirring of the waters. When the waters began to ripple, that meant an angel was there. Once the water was stirred, the first one in the pool would be healed. Now think about it. 
When you study history, you immediately think, wait a minute, that's just not fair. In fact, that's mean, right? Think about it. All those individuals, the lame, the blind, right? They, they could barely move. The water stirred. They literally began sprinting for this water. And you wonder where the WWF came from, right? I mean, because you know that that would become violent, just hoping to get in the water first. Now, in the context of what we just read, Jesus healed one of those people that were gathered at the pool. Later, we learned that this guy, he was ungrateful. He could have cared less. But that should remind us, friends, that, look, everyone we serve, everyone we help, everyone we give to, every, everyone we pray for is not going to be grateful. But that shouldn't stop us from reaching out. We should continue to reach out and be committed to the ministry of Jesus day in and day out, which leads us to our next thought. Look, everyone gets to play here at HDV. This is a vineyard distinctive. Okay, John 20, 21 to 22 says, again he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Look, we are a church committed to not only praying for the sick, but teaching you how to pray for the sick. Okay, we're not a place where the man or the woman of God, the healer, is up on the stage and has to pray for everyone in the church. Like, that's not us. That's not how we roll. That's not how we operate. We believe that all of us get to play. That the ministry of Jesus is not meant for a few of the called or the called outs, but everyone that has faith in Jesus. In, in fact, we desire to see hundreds, even thousands of people released all over the tri-state area sharing the good news about Jesus while at the same time laying hands on sick people, praying, and seeing them get well. And it's biblical. I mean, look at Acts 1-8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. They're sharing the good news. And then Luke 10, 8-9 and 17, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, Eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God is near. When the 72 returned, they joyfully reported to the Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. See, they, they share the good news. They pray for the sick. They believe in the signs and wonders. And as a community of faith, we are committed to challenging you to walk in all that God has for you. And, you, and that means serving others. Sharing the good news, inviting and including, praying for the sick, seeing people set free by the power of God's Spirit that is inside of you. And that's our job description. Look at Ephesians 4.12. There, referencing the church, the church's responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. See, we don't just read the Bible and specifically the Gospels and remember all the good works and healings of Jesus and then just simply talk about it. No, we want to do it. We want to do the stuff. We want to live like Jesus, act like Jesus, and do the kingdom stuff. And see, that phrase came from John Wimber, the spiritual father and founder of the Vineyard Movement. And, and he coined it, everyone gets to play. See, his goal was to create opportunities for normal people to do extraordinary things, just like us. The action wasn't about the stage. It was about all around the room. And in the early days of the Vineyard Movement, there was opportunities for people to learn how to pray for others, hear God's voice, 
and see the signs and wonders. And this all leads us to a few ideas that we can learn from Jesus' passage here in John's Gospel, which leads us to our third thought. See, Jesus saw the need and acted in mercy. John 5, 6. When Jesus saw him, everyone say saw. Everyone say saw. That's better, thank you. And knew he had been ill for a long time. He asked him, would you like to get well? See, Jesus saw him. This is the gift of mercy. And see, all throughout Jesus' ministry, healings were accompanied with mercy. And mercy is seeing someone. Now hear me out. It's not seeing someone feeling bad for them, flipping a quarter, and then continuing on your way. That's not mercy. Mercy is when you see someone, connect with their pain, and then are moved to do something. Moved to simply ask Jesus, is there something for me to do here? And it's evident in the, in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Many, it doesn't matter how long you've been in church. It doesn't matter if you've ever been in church. You know the story of the Good Samaritan. There was a man traveling along a road. He's beat up, robbed, left for dead. Two religious leaders walk by. We, we, we know that not only did they walk by, they went to the other side of the street because they saw him, but there was no mercy. They just walked on by. Then there was a Samaritan man that was traveling. And we read this in Luke 10, 33-34. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. Jesus is challenging us to see people in this way. He says, have mercy for others when you see that they're hurting and broken. In fact, Jesus tells the parable of the sheep and goats in Matthew 25. Where Jesus reminds us that one day we will all stand before him. And, and I felt a nudge from the Holy Spirit this week as I was preparing that I wanted to hit the pause button. Okay, and I want to acknowledge this truth by simply asking you a question. Do you realize that one day you will stand before Jesus and be judged? And it's not just me, it's all of us. It's, it's all of us even outside of these walls. And friends, I know this is going to happen. I've been sharing the good news about forgiveness, uh, about mercy, about an empty tomb for over 20 years. Okay, I've seen alcoholics and addictions broken. I've seen marriages restored. I, I, I've seen legs grow out. I've seen backs healed. I've seen hernias fixed. Right? I, I've seen God move this morning in this first gathering. And I know that one day I, Chris, am going to stand before Jesus. And you will as well. And listen up, it's at that point, when you're standing before Jesus, it's no one else. Your mom's not with you. Your praying grandma's not behind you. Your spouse, who is a little more religious than you, is not around. Your friends aren't there. You can't even bring your pet. Right? They're not going to be around. It's going to be you and Jesus. And one day, you will stand before Jesus and you will be asked two questions. And the first is this. What did you do with me? Jesus is going to look at us and say, what did you do with me? What did you do with my sacrifice? What did you do with Jesus? And listen, if you're in a relationship with Jesus, you've put your faith in him, you trusted his death on the cross for your forgiveness of sins, then you're going to experience eternal life. You're, you're in the kingdom. 
And, and the second question is not whether you're a sheep or a goat, whether, whether you experience eternal life or not. Jesus is going to look at you and say, oh, okay, great. What have you done with the gifts, talents, and opportunities that I gave you while you're living? Did you make a difference for Jesus in this world? And see, it's our desire here at HTV to get you ready for that day of judgment. There's not a week that goes by that I do not offer all of us gathered here an opportunity to begin a relationship with Jesus. And listen, I didn't always do that. I, I didn't always share this opportunity week by week by week. But God challenged me probably the fourth week that we opened this building that I need to do that because people are going to stand in judgment before Jesus. So I'm going to hit the pause button again. No one looking around. It's a personal thing. You know how we do it. Look, if there's anyone here and you're not sure that you're in that relationship with Jesus, you're not sure your sins are forgiven, I'm giving you that opportunity right now. And it's a personal thing between you and God. And we'll all pray with you because we're a family here. So, so if there's anyone here like that, just slip your hands up and we'll all pray right now. Is there anyone here like that? Yeah. Let's all pray together. Jesus, I'm broken, full of doubt, sin, shame, regret, anger, and sin. Change me. I believe you're God's son. I believe you died for me. Forgive me for my past. Make me new. Fill me with your spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen. And we're going to continue to do that and do that and do that because we believe in it. And to take it a little bit further, there's not a week that goes by that we don't challenge you to what? Serve, reach out, invite, include, get in a group. And, and you're like, well, Chris, why do you constantly do that? Because we want to give you opportunities to use your gifts, your talents, to, get, to see that God wants to use you because you're going to stand before him. And, and Jesus looked at the goats and said this. Look at Matthew uh, 25, 42 to 45. For I was hungry, and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty, you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger, you didn't invite me in your home. I was naked, you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison, you didn't visit me. Then they will reply, notice what they say, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're refusing to help me. Did you see it again? When did we see you? And see, Jesus is challenging our ability to see with mercy. We're living in distracted times, friends. We spend a lot of time on our smartphones, with our AirPods in, walking around what? With our heads down. True or false? You know, and, and here's the reality. When we're walking around like that, we're not going to see people in pain. We're not going to see people hurting because we're distracted in our social media world. And that's just not God's best. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. says it this way, the time is always ripe to do right. And I believe that. There's not a day that goes by that the Holy Spirit doesn't give us opportunities to reach out to people. However, there's something about our technology-filled culture that makes it so difficult to see people and to see them mercifully. God, help us change. Which leads us to our next thought. Look, 
Jesus is not limited by the size of the problem. Jesus is not limited by the size of your problem. Look at John 5, 5 through 6. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time, and he asked him, would you like to get well? 38 years. And then it's funny because Jesus asked that question. That guy's probably thinking, are you kidding me? Why do you think I'm laying by by this water? But see, Jesus is empowering him to respond. And listen, I began to think about it. 38 years is a long time. It would have been real easy for that guy to not return to that pool. It would have been real easy for that guy not to pick up his mat and walk. It's almost as if you can see that guy thinking, well, it's just the way I am. 38 years, nothing's going to change. It's been too long. Nothing will ever change. And I believe we live like that. Well, it's been a long time, Chris. You don't understand. Look, in a short while, in a few minutes, I'm going to invite anyone that is struggling with a physical ailment to stand and receive healing. And I know from experience, I know from testimony, some of you won't stand. Some of you are here, need healing, and you won't stand up. And you know why? Well, there's two reasons. One, you're prideful, and and you don't want help, and you believe that you can do it on your own, which is a lie. And the other reason is, you've been sick too long. Well, it's been 38 years, Chris. Well, it's been 40 years. Well, it's been five years, Chris. Well, you don't understand, Chris. It's been eight months. Nothing's ever going to change. You've given up. You've accepted. Well, it's just who I am. I'm not going to change. Listen, there's kingdom mystery when it comes to supernatural healing. I mean, I'll be honest with you. We don't see everyone healed that we pray for. However, we also see the miraculous. We don't see, there's that balance. We, we don't always see it, but we do see it. But listen to what Jesus says in Luke 18. One day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. So Jesus told a whole story, a whole parable, because he doesn't want you to give up. And, and I get it. There's going to be times, there's going to be situations in your life Right, there's going to be stress, there's going to be anxiety. Rhett even shared about that before, before communion. And, and it's in those situations that God wants us to get closer to him. It's in those situations that God wants us to press in, to desire more, so that you will receive a breakthrough even after 38 years. God wants to move, but see, here's the deal. You're going to be tempted to give up because it's been so long. It's been so hard. You don't know what I've been through, Chris. It's been so challenging. You know, one of the things that makes a relationship with Jesus so difficult, makes praying for people so difficult, we don't know God's timing. We don't know it. I mean, wouldn't it be a lot, I got to think, wouldn't it be a lot easier if we knew God's calendar? Wouldn't it be cool? I mean, I think about my calendar, right? I have four calendars, personal, church-wide, staff, and family calendars, right, plus a couple Trello boards, for those of you who know what that is. And, and see, those four calendars, at one point in my phone, weren't synced. And then my wife said, whoa, your calendars aren't synced, we got to sync them. And she made them all go together. And then I said, turn it off, 
right? I liked it better unsynced because I felt like I was doing so much. When it's synced, dude, it's like anxiety just blows this roof off. You're like, dear God, how am I doing all that? But I need that so that I'm responsible in life, right? If I don't have those things synced, I'm not going to be responsible, and the calendar wouldn't be helpful. Wouldn't it be awesome if God synced his calendar with us? Wouldn't it be cool? It'd just make life so much easier, right? Wouldn't it be cool if you knew when your healing was going to come? Or, or wouldn't it be awesome to know when that child that's lost and walked away from God and is struggling and in sin is going to change? Wouldn't it be awesome to know when the marriage is going to be restored, when the provision will come, when the negativity will stop? Wouldn't it be nice to know, dear God, when am I going to get married? Right? Some of you want to get married so bad that you want to know the dates, Mike Shriver. Jeez. Well, Mike, wouldn't it be great that if you knew March 21st, 2022, you were going to propose and get married suddenly? Wouldn't that be great? Oh, he must not be here because he'd be like, yeah. Well, here's the deal with that. See, if Mike knew he was going to get married in a little over a month, you know what he's going to do? He's going to kick back, put his feet up, and chill out and relax. In fact, his excitement, his desire to pray, his desire to get closer to Jesus, it's going to be on a back seat because he's going to be focused on what? Getting married. I'm thankful that's not how God works because we'd have a lazy church. Listen, God knows there's going to be those times, those situations in life that are going to be hard. He knows it. In fact, the answered prayer is going to take much longer than expected. In fact, it won't even look like what you're praying for. But it's in those times, in that season, that God wants you to press in and to get closer to him. See, God doesn't always save us from our trouble. But he is the God that saves us in trouble. Right? He may not pull us out of it, but when we're in it, he's going to be right there for us, supporting us and encouraging us. Look, I don't know when the healing's going to come. I don't know when you're going to meet your spouse. I don't know when things will change for the better. But I'm trusting God, and I'm going to continue to pray. I'm never give up. That's what Jesus wants for us. I'm going to trust and continue to pray. And you say, well, Chris, how can I do that? Because I know God is good. I know God hears the prayers of his people. I know that God will work all things out for the good of those who love him. I believe God is revealing things that you've given up on this morning. I believe that God is showing you things in your life that you've given up on this morning. Could be a dream, could be a job, could be uh, 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 something you enjoy to do. Could be getting married. And I believe God's in the business of restoring dreams here this morning, supernaturally. Dreams that you've given up on. Things that you've, oh, it's been too hard, it's been too long. Holy Spirit, come. God, I pray for, for things that each and every one of these people have given up on. And I pray that you would restore them this morning. That you would give them a new passion, a new longing for it. In Jesus' name. Because here's the reality. We might not even see things in our lifetime that we're currently praying for. There's this chapter in the book of Hebrews called the Heroes of the Faith. 
And this is what we read in Hebrews eleven thirty nine. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. They didn't even receive it all. Rich Nathan is a pastor of the Columbus Vineyard out in Columbus, Ohio, and he once shared a story of a, of a woman in his church that lived this. It was early in his church, and, he, and she had given her life to Jesus, was radically changed, and immediately when, when she found God, she began to pray for her sister to come into a relationship with Jesus. She wanted to see her sister meet Jesus, and she prayed every day for 40 years for her sister to come into a relationship with God. And all throughout those 40 years, nothing seemed to change. There was no signs that God was working. Her sister remained cold and hard, wouldn't come to church, wouldn't have a dialogue about God, about Jesus, nothing. But the other sister continued to pray. And then she died without her sister coming to faith. 40 years. Rich went on to share that he was leading this woman's celebration of life for her funeral services. And directly after that celebration of life, Rich led the sister into a relationship with God. Forty years she prayed. And think about it. It was at her funeral that the prayer was answered. God's faithful. He's good. And we got to respond to Jesus when he says, never stop praying. Don't give up. And if you've given up on something here this morning, bring it back. Bring it back to life and begin to pray and believe that God's going to move in it. Which leads us to our action steps. Now, some of you, I get it, man. I don't, I don't know how long you've been coming here. Some of you are rather new. You're thinking, well, Chris, this sounds great. But I don't have the tools to pray for other people. I, I'm too insecure. I've, I don't, haven't been to church very long. Shoot, I don't even believe in Jesus. That's fine. Pray for people because I believe God still uses you. No better way to come in a relationship with Jesus than see your hand being used for a miracle. Amen? Woo! So it's really cool the vineyard set up this five-step vineyard prayer model, and that's going to be our action steps. And we believe that following this simple plan will allow us to partner with the Holy Spirit in praying for others. John Wimber, who wrote the plan, if you will, said this, Learning to pray for the sick is like learning to ride a bicycle. At first, the parent runs alongside the wobbly child to prevent serious injury. Soon... He will learn to ride smoothly and safely. Learning to pray for the sick is a similar process. The first solo experiences are usually messy, <laughs> true, but in time, they become quite enjoyable. I am more interested in ministry than neatness, so I provide a place in which people know they are accepted and helped even when they fail. And that's true. You're going to fail when you pray, but that's okay. Get back up and pray again. So let's look at the five steps. And the first is this. Approach. Look for opportunities. You know, we shared about it. Look out and see the world around you. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Unplug your smartphone. Take your iPads or your ear pods out. Right? Look for opportunities. People that are broken. People that are crying. It could be at work. Could be at school. Could be at Walmart. I mean, dear heavens, I just learned that someone shot themselves at Walmart last night. I mean, what a better opportunity to pray, right? That is true. So, and then you introduce yourself. There's an opportunity. Introduce yourself. Hey, I'm Chris. You say, well, Chris, how do you know they're going to pray? How are you going to know they're going to let me pray for you? I don't. But listen, there's never been one person 
that I've asked to pray for them that they've turned me down. The only reason that we don't pray for others is because we don't ask, because we're fearful. So I want to encourage you, right? Approach someone. Number two, ask. Can you pray? Can I pray for you? What is the need? What is causing pain? Where does it hurt? Right? And, And it's just simply an opportunity to listen to a person's need. Ask them what is going on in their life. Then pray. Next step, place your hand on them. Right? Somewhere... Look, if it's the opposite sex, you don't put your hand on them, right? You invite someone of the same sex to put your hand on them. It's just how we roll, all right? We, we don't put yourself in compromising positions. Ask if you can place your hand on them, right? If it's a specific area, if it's a shoulder, a knee, put your hand on that area. Pray for physical healing in Jesus' name. Be specific, Right? Pray for emotional trauma. Pray for relational issues. Pray against the spiritual hindrance with authority. Again, John Wimber said this, you won't get a very good effect if you pray generally. You need to pray specifically if you want to be effective in your prayers. So if, it, if, if it's a knee ligament, you don't just say, God, you love Jim. We're believing you're going to heal him. That's, that's just, no, pray for the knee ligament. Be specific. And please, this is a big one to me, use everyday language. Okay? Don't get all Christianese on me. Okay? If you've been around the church for a long time, don't get all Christianese on me. Because a person that you're praying for may not understand the blood of Jesus from the top of their head, across their brow, over their shoulders, to the soles of their feet. They're like, what? Like, what are you talking about? Right? No, pray specifically and generally. And, and please don't pray forever. And you don't pray forever by assessing, number four, ask questions to the person to find out what God is doing. Always pray with your eyes open. You can see what God's doing. Right? You don't, get, you don't have to get on your knees and close your eyes and pray. Pray with your eyes open. See what they're doing. Is the pain changing? Do you feel uh, warmth? Is there tingling? Uh, Is God speaking to you? Ask questions. Stop praying. When they think it's over, like if they're done, stop praying. They'll be like, sit down, sister, we're not done. Holy Holy Spirit, fire. They're like, get away from me. If the Spirit tells you it's over, it's over. In Jesus' name, amen. Or if you run out of things to pray, stop. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't add the 115 hallelujahs. You're not raising a hallelujah over this person you're praying for. Okay? Number five, explain. Offer simple next step directions that are helpful. Okay? If the person was healed or had a breakthrough in some area, encourage him or her to continue to do the close walk with God. Invite them to church if they don't have a home church. Offer several worship songs for them to listen to. Encourage them to begin reading the Bible, specifically the Gospels. Look, say, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Don't say, oh, just go ahead and uh, read the book of Judges. Just go ahead and read Deuteronomy. You'll be fine. No. Matthew, Mark, everyone nods. You're right, yeah. If a person is not healed or they didn't have a breakthrough, Reassure them, hey, God loves you, and encourage them to seek more prayer. Amen? 
guess what? You're all trained. Aren't you excited? You're all trained. So, so this is how we roll. So God specifically told me two areas of need that we're going to pray for this morning. No one stand until I'm done because the second one's a little bit more sensitive and I don't want anybody to be, feel embarrassed. Amen? So we're going to pray for two specific areas of need this morning. Okay, the first is just healing. Some, if, if you're in here this morning and you have some sort of ailment, shoulder, knee, cancer, COVID. Well, I hope you're not here if you have COVID. <laughs> we have a mask. I'll give you one. Actually, I'd rather be here. So anyway, that's a side. I'm sorry. I'm getting all off. So you understand what I'm saying. Some sort of physical ailment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And the other area is this. Listen, God spoke to me clearly this morning. And not this morning, this week. Actually, it was very early. It was like Monday. That the other group of people I want to stand up with, those people that have some sort of physical ailment, is if you're struggling with alcohol addiction. If you're an alcoholic and you're struggling with some form of alcoholism, God is going to set you free this morning. And you're not going to look back. So if you fall into those two groups of people, stand up. Now look, and, and I know some of you aren't going to stand. Oh, it's for someone else. Don't do that. Like, don't do that this morning. I believe God is going to move powerfully in this place because I already saw him do it in our first gathering. And it all happens when you take a step of faith and stand up. Amen. Anybody else? Any type of physical ailment? Any type of anything? Anybody else? All right, now, those of you standing, I need you to put your right hand up if you can. Now, listen, you keep that hand up until someone comes to pray for you. Does that make sense? Everybody with a hand up, everyone look. Everyone that's sitting, look around. Men with men, women with women, okay, same genders. Find a person and begin to use the model that I just taught you and pray for these people. Amen? Okay, go. Go, you got to get up and move right now. When, when someone is there to pray for you, put your hand down. Put your hand down. Okay, I got a lot of hands up front here. Let's go. I got men, women. Look, you need to become the church, people. I don't mean to call you out, but I can't pray for all these people. Okay, I got two gentlemen in the back that need prayed for. I need three, four gentlemen in the back that need prayed for. Thank you, Roger. I got a lady over here. Come on, women. Let's go. I got guys over here. I need a lot of guys to pray. Come on, guys. Where are my guys? Here comes women. Thank you. There we go. I got a bunch of guys. Come on, I need guys. I need keep your hands up, guys and ladies. Lots of guys. Anybody? Bueller? Come on. Guys. Donnie, can you come pray? I need people to pray. I need guys to pray for guys. I need lots of people. I need guys back there. I got guys everywhere. I, got a, I need a lady here in the front. Please get out of your seats. Please. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Thank you. There we go. There we go. 
I got two guys in the back. I got three guys, four. Can you go pray for people now? Is that cool? No, not you. Look, can you two go pray for other guys, please? Thank you. Go for it. Can you go pray for a lady? Can you go pray for a lady? Thank you. Dave, can you go pray for guys now? There's a bunch of guys. Uh, right there. Right in the middle. Right in the middle. I got another lady in the back. Thank you. Keep praying, everybody. Go to different people and pray. Frank, find another guy. There's another guy back there that needs it. Come on. Help me. There's two ladies on my right that need it. Please. There's a lady in the middle. Please keep your hand up. Don't give up. Here we go. Frank's on it. Frank's on it. I got a lady here. Can you go pray for that lady right there with her hand up? You. Yeah, right there with her hand up in the middle. Back there in the back, in the middle. See your hand up? Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Okay, I think we got it. There's two ladies here on my right. Ladies, come on. Need you. Need you. Those of you who are sitting, can we all stand? If you joined us online, thank you for welcoming us into your home. Have a great week. I hope to see you at the Empowered Weekend. Register, sign up today. Be a part of all that God's doing. Listen, if you're praying, continue to pray. I want to challenge you now. Listen, people, don't leave here without registering for the Empowered Weekend next weekend. Go to the Welcome Hub. Christy, Tracy, Kelsey, they'll get you signed up. I mean, it's 10 bucks. It costs nothing. We have child care. Like, show up. Prioritize God. Set aside some time where you grow close to the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. Listen, God bless. Remember, Phil will be here next week. We're believing for signs, wonders, and miracles. Count to ten so I can get to the back and